Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Half Ashed. My name is Craig Schneider. That gentleman 1,100 miles south-southeast of me is Kip Fisher, and we are coming to you this evening for the 76th, 6, 76th, boy, say that three times fast, 76th time on July 25th, the evening of, with a rather interesting and enchanting cigar, the Monsdale, that uh, I hope my good buddy Kip enjoys, mm-hmm. and I hope... He enjoys uh, just sitting upright without feeling ill this evening. How are you? <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> that's, that's about as good as it gets. I'm okay. <laughs> well, if we uh, if we lose Kip for a little bit in the middle of the show, no worries, anyone. He's just puking in the grass next to his uh, table out there. <laughs> I hopefully won't come to that. Just a little, little lightheaded tonight. I guess you probably do sincerely mean that. Hopefully it won't come to that. <laughs> exactly, because it is hot out here, and there's nothing more delightful than vomiting and miserable heat. Oh, I'm sure it'll just be odiferous tomorrow evening. Oh, man. I got a hose that'll reach. <laughs> you said you got in-laws in town. You got anything special going on this weekend or just chilling? Uh, smoking pork tomorrow. That's the most exciting thing I got going on. That sounds exciting enough to me. Yeah, see James Stein in the chat room's got a whole hog roast going on tomorrow. I'm not doing the whole hog this time, just the just the shoulder. I uh, well, there's not a finer cut for smoking. Well, the belly's pretty good. <laughs> I've never had smoked belly other than bacon. Well, that is that is what I was talking about. Oh well. I've never smoked a belly and just had that. How's that? Mm. Mm. Man, I could I could go for some pork. I think the only cuts I've got right now are tenderloin. And, boy, you smoke that, there ain't going to be anything left, and you'll be done in an hour. Yeah, it's kind of a pork weekend. We're making pulled pork tomorrow, and then uh, Sunday we're going to have some mojo pork as a tenderloin. Not too shabby. I've... Uh, recently taken to just doing pork tenderloin. I butterfly it so it lays flat, and I'll just do uh, throw some apple on the grill, um, and I'll just just baste it in barbecue sauce, paint it on there, and do it low and slow for about an hour, and it works fabulous. Nice 145 degrees. Beautiful. Yeah, we um, here need a tenderloin in moho. Um, that we make ourselves so we can kind of tinker with a little bit and then uh, occasionally brush a little on while it's on the grill because it takes takes a little time on the grill. And sometimes we actually will go ahead and sear the uh, the surface in a pan and then move it to the grill to finish it off and reserve some of the moho for a dipping sauce. Really good stuff. Clearly uh, the right move there, no doubt about it. Marinades are a tricky thing, though. I I don't know. I, sometimes when I heat them up, they don't get the greatest of flavors. It's like a sauce, you know. If you just taste a sauce on its own, it's not that spectacular. It's meant to be on something. Marinades to me, they're not always the best dipping sauces. It really depends on what you do with them. Well, I, the mojo, uh, you have to actually cook the mojo to make it, and so it's already been heated once. Interesting. But then you put it around raw pork, so. Well, you you keep some that you don't put on the raw meat. You oh, keep I got gotcha. you. Separate before you marinate, and you always remember 
don't put the cilantro in until it has been cooked and cooled to room temperature or it'll turn your cilantro into little black flakes. That makes a lot of sense. I, uh... Oh, shoot, where was I going to go with that? Um, oh, I, I was going to say, although, in all reality, I don't know if it really matters anymore. I don't know if you're going to find pork that's uh, available in the United States that has the issues it did 30 years ago, where you'll end up getting parasites from it. I, I have heard that that seems to be eradicated. Uh, you can get some other parasites, but uh, trichinosis is pretty much a thing of the past in the first world. Thank you. That was what I was looking for and couldn't remember it. Yep. I was just going to say worms, but decided that wouldn't be too fun for anybody. <laughs> it's well, kind of kind of is. <laughs> Bacteria is still an issue, though. I mean, if you got a if you got a raw surface from its handling, not from the meat itself. Sure, absolutely. But I mean, you look at at carpaccio. A lot of carpaccios are truly raw, oh, not even seared. When we were in the Dominican this last time, we were taken to a rather exclusive cigar club, and uh, the guy there made some carpaccio <clears throat> that was absolutely delicious. I've never had anything like it. I absolutely love carpaccio. It's one of my absolute favorite things to to eat. My wife and I, despite not liking the same ingredients, we typically like the same meals. Um, she does not like herbs. She does not like onion and does not like garlic. But some of the things she eats as a finished dish, which are just dripping with garlic and covered in shaved onions and you know, uh, finished with fresh herbs at the table. She likes, so I don't, I don't get it. But man, oh man, uh, we have had some spectacular carpaccio that is almost impossible to compete with. I'd rather have it like that than I would a steak in some cases. Oh yeah. Mm. Well, what do we got lined up for tonight? Well, as I said, I told the folks what we're smoking. Yep, it was one of the very first things I did say, but we have uh, kind of shied away from any descriptions or information about it, uh, which is silly because this is a cigar that most people probably don't even know much of, and we haven't even talked about it. I personally have heard the name and not a whole lot more about it, to tell the truth. Well, as uh, as I said, tonight our Cigar of the Week is the Monsdale. This is uh, it's a little bit of a special cigar. It's what some people might even call a, a custom a custom rolled, or some sort of generic, not too accurate term, but um, in Cuba, a lot of the cigar stores will have uh, a house roller, and those house rollers are known for being able to to have essentially their signature blend um, or signature tobacco that they work with that you can kind of tinker with. Well, the at the La Casa de Habano at Club Havana in uh, Miramar region. There is a house-rolled cigar um, blended by the late, great Enrique Mons, who many, many Havanophiles um, would say was probably the most educated and progressive Cuban when it came to tobacco. Um, quite frankly, the smartest tobacco man on the island. And... Um, Enrique uh, was the manager of this La Casa de Habana when he was alive until just 
two or three years ago, I think he passed, maybe even less than that, maybe a year. Um, he retired just a few years prior to that. But the Monsdale was a Lonsdale uh, Vitola that um, took his namesake because it was his blend and it was so highly regarded. Um, it's a beautifully flavorful cigar when on. And these samples are from 2006. And I think they're actually trending over the hill. But we'll we'll see how things progress this evening. And um, I really hope that you find a lot of enjoyment out of this because I primarily included it in the evening because of you. Um, it, it's got such great interplay of uh, sweet and sour flavors typically that you've talked about before that I, I just thought, you know, this will be a great, fun cigar to talk about. We'll get some interesting flavors that are different for you. Um, it's a unique backstory without question. And, you know, if we do get some that are on and maybe the, the couple that I've had leading up to this are, shall we say, just have been duds, um, maybe we get ones that are on and uh, we'll get that kind of sweet cream and sugary flavor and then contrasting with espresso, cocoa, and like a tart fruitiness. Um, Anybody who's familiar with with uh, the Monte Cristo and the Ramonionis lines, um, I really think that the Monsdale is kind of a, a, a let's shall we say a mashup of those two blends. Um, and went on, it's it's just second to none. I absolutely love them. So uh, hopefully you uh, you get some enjoyable, unique, fun discussion and flavors out of this. Yeah, I will try to meter comments <laughs> to time them appropriately because I'm now two-thirds of the way into this cigar. Well, that's a good thing you have multiple. Yeah. Well, I um, I think one of the other big flavors that I usually will get from this is kind of a, a fatty, real greasy nut-type flavor like cashew or macadamia. Um and it's typically sweet. I, I'll say peanut brittle at times. Um, and I don't think it's like a cashew or a macadamia brittle. But it's almost, I don't know, if you were to eat like a honey roasted cashew, it, it reminds me of that. Um, and uh, it just works so well with that kind of cocoa and and uh, espresso flavor um, and that occasional tart fruit. It, they're really, really something special. And I'm half an inch into this one and enjoying it, so I hope you still are as well. I am. Uh, uh, that uh, sweet and sour or sweet and savory kind of mix-up or, or back and forth or interplay, whatever you want to call it, that, that you mentioned earlier on was really, really prominent and bold early on uh, when I first lit it. Maybe not quite as much now. It definitely has that heavy meaty kind of nutty flavoring to it right now. I'm, I'm still digging it. Yeah, that that meaty nut is it's kind of a silly thing to say, but it makes sense. Like, you eat peanuts and it just feels like bad, cheap trail mix, but if you have a nut that's just got a lot of, of structure to it, like a walnut or a cashew to me, um, it's like you know, you can have that and it satiates you, whereas a peanut doesn't really for me. Exactly. I kind of think that's where you're going. Am I on tar target or no? Yeah, it it, uh, it has a lot of body. It, it's mouth feeling. I mean, it's, that sounds ridiculous, but it, it for those whose idea of what body means lines up with me, it is a 
full-bodied cigar. I mean, it has full flavor as well, not not necessarily full strength, but the body is remarkable. Well, uh, I... I'm sorry, I'm reading the chat room and got distracted by uh, the final comment there. Not that it's anything big, but I wanted to respond about the Casada 40th I had last week, but I can do that later on. Um, I, I think this is an interesting cigar, too, because it kind of represents... Well, the Club Havana is just a it's just an odd thing. It, it I've never been to Cuba. Um scared to death to go, would be afraid that, of course, I would be one of the people who got caught and my family would be without a father and I'd have to pay thousands of dollars of fines and I'd end up in some ridiculous, unregulated prison. Uh, but I'm not afraid of going or anything, you know. Um, Club Havana from secondhand accounts is kind of a unique, I don't know, shall we say social club? Um, has everything from beach frontage to little tchotchke knick-knack stores to restaurants, um, a gym, this very well-known uh, cigar store, gorgeous grounds, an old, um, what looks to be an old uh, mansion that's just been converted, very similar to, in appearance to me at least, uh, El Liguito, where Cohibas were famously rolled for so many years. Um Almost like a, a country club where, you know, you really get so much more than just golfing or tennis or something. It's like a it's like a, a social club where you can go there and spend a weekend. You know, it's kind of funny, but the cigar store is very well known. It's one of the few La Casas um, in Havana, and uh, uh, it really is held in high regard as being a, a very well run, well respected. Um, moderately well-stocked shop, uh, and you do some internet searches, you can uh, really find some cool stuff about it, photos, things like that. I, it's on my bucket list one day to get there. I uh, I know an American acquaintance who um, I, I won't out publicly, but he made a trip to Cuba to bring money to some underground organizations there. <laughs> With it, like, strapped to his thighs and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, please don't out him. That sounds like we could be called as the... Uh, we could be subpoenaed someday for the information you're about to share. Yeah. Hmm. What else we got on the show tonight? We got a decent amount on the show. It's, uh... Obviously, the IPCPR has concluded, and there's lots of stories and a few surprises from this year's show, so... We've certainly got that to uh, to chat about, and obviously also our our regular news and emails and fun stuff that goes along with Half Ashed. But we also kind of want to put a friendly PSA out there that we don't want anybody to forget about our new and improved forum. With uh, it, oh, I have so uh, <laughs> modestly written down tons of potential and quite the following, uh, including quite the following from our two hosts. We've really been... I've been surprised. We've been throwing posts up there left and right like it's going out of style or we're competing or something. Yeah, and there's even a couple other people been hanging out around. <laughs> yeah, it's not just Kip and I talking to each other all hours of the day. It's been pretty cool to see. Yeah, and we got a couple of things, uh, some speculation and, and chatter about a couple of topics that may not have appeared on some of the other forums. 
Well, yeah, it's, it's a very good point. Go ahead. I was just going to say, but we will make you go check it and dig them out. That uh, that's a very good idea, and so, and also very good instruction to me to not spill the beans, like I was just about to do. <laughs> Feel free. I don't care. <laughs> no, no. I I I was just going to say that um, you know, Kip and I have both been around for a while and been on boards for a while. I, we've talked about uh, how we got our start and when we got our start, and some of the things that I found were always kind of lacking or. Uh, maybe not intentionally lacking, but just not really discussed. We've already started to throw a little bit on there. I mean, the the talk of how cigars are perceived in family settings or uh, just perceived in your personal life by those who you surround yourself with. And perhaps um, the only forum where I've ever seen uh, the start of an active discussion about the health effects of cigars and studies that have been done and resources online where some of that, albeit subjective, but still published information is out there. It's just a, Those are just a couple of things that have gone on in the week since we've really gone live with this. And um, I know that both of us are, are committed to really just having fun with it because it's an extension of the show, and I, I freaking love doing the show on Friday night, so now we can just enjoy it a little bit each and every day during the week, even when we're not recording. Yep. <laughs> I feel a little better. Got to get one of those in there for tonight. I was going to say, don't laugh. It'll it'll shake you and make you feel bad again. <laughs> Just one second. I'm typing a comment in the chat room. Oh, geez. Well, the important stuff. Another good crowd in the chat room this evening. I uh, like to see some new faces and some... Uh, past faces who have come back. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are, do have a few new faces in there, which is outstanding. Welcome, gentlemen. I believe you're all gentlemen. I don't think there's any ladies with us tonight. Well, if they're new faces, I don't know if we'd know that. What's the official size of an A, Vitola? Nine and a quarter by 47. There you go, folks. There was some speculation. There was speculation as to the size of an A? Yeah. Really? Where is it? Somebody asked, and none of us were sure, I guess, we were guessing. Oh. <laughs> They're still guessing. They haven't gotten to that part of the show yet. There's like a 30-second delay. Oh, well, there you go. I, uh, I'm i pretty sure it's nine and a quarter. I don't think it's just nine inches flat, but... I'd I'd say 99% sure. Nine and a quarter by 47 ring gauge is a Presidente, which is what we all refer to as an A. Gotcha. Well, shall we uh, put it off no longer and talk briefly about uh, the 82nd IPCPR, which is concluded? Do it. Well, I, I... I put some posts up on uh, halfash.com about how sad I was. This is this has been the hardest year for me to miss the show, really. Um, and I don't think I've been the last three years, maybe just the last two years. I don't know. But for some reason, this show just really uh, called out to me, and, and I was looking forward to being involved in it and obviously didn't make it. But 
either way, it, uh, it's fun to talk about, fun to kind of relive and rehash. So hopefully we can do that a little bit here. And there's some, just some odd stories and some unfortunate stories and not necessarily a whole ton of surprises. But either way, it's, you know, it's a week work of uh, heavy-handed, a week's worth of heavy-handed cigar stuff that we can uh, kind of illuminate for some of you and talk about, both just in the basic introduction as well as some of our more detailed news stories. Yep. We'll do that a bunch tonight. Just leave you hanging out here. Yep. <laughs> Ooh. You are you are beside yourself. You're, you're just... You seem different tonight. Are you sure you don't have a Kip? Uh, a Kip. You sure you don't have a twin brother named like Skip or something, and he's not doing the show this evening? No, but I answer to Skip or Chip or Tip or whatever rhymes pretty much because I get called everything. Gipper. Yeah, I don't know about Gipper. I get Kipper all the time. Kipper. Well, yeah, I've called you Kipper, but yeah, you and everybody else. Well, I guess first things first. The uh... There were a lot of stories floating around about the show, but probably the most prevalent was that people were complaining that traffic was really light. I'm just yeah. surprised by that. Yeah, well, I'm really surprised, as we had talked about earlier, that that this would be said of a show in Vegas because most of the time people will make the trip to Vegas for the show just because it's Vegas and there's so much other stuff they want to do. And, you know, when it was in Orlando, they're, oh, the world is ending. This is a terribly attended show. And then IPCPR comes out and says it's one of the most attended shows ever. Maybe it was because the facility was bigger or whatever. But the, the, the speculation then was it was because it's in Orlando. It's not especially cigar friendly. There's not a lot of stuff to do outside of the theme parks, blah, 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 blah. But in Vegas, everybody always says, "Well, oh, Vegas, man, when it's, in, when it's in Vegas, everybody goes because it's Vegas. And so I, I was really surprised to see those comments this year, but I saw a number of them from manufacturers uh, through the social media. Say it, one in particular said it was the worst they'd ever been to for attendance. They just didn't get any traffic in comparison to, to what they considered the norm. Well... Has IPCPR come out and given any stats or numbers on attendance this year yet? They haven't, have they? No, that usually doesn't happen for several weeks or even a couple of months. Well, one of the big things that I had heard was that the show floor was much larger this year. So I think that I think that that could really contribute to it. I mean... Think about all the horror stories last year being talked about with Ezra Zion just kind of being, or Ezra Zion, House of Emilio being just lost and difficult to find and kind of in a crap location. They I were mean, all the way in the back back wall last year. I don't know where they were this year, of course, because I wasn't there. Well, I, uh, where did I hear that they were? I think they were right in front of Altidus. Just a primo spot right in front of Altidus, hmm. right near the beginning, or the opening, I, I should say. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I suppose the the numbers ultimately don't lie, but um, it seems to me that if you get that much of a larger show floor in comparison to some other uh, years, that it's just going to seem like there's not a lot of people there. 
I mean, yeah. I what I haven't heard, which I would expect to hear, is that um, manufacturers would complain about, man, it just such a slow year. It really wasn't the business that we expected. I've heard that in the past, and I haven't heard it this year. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Maybe if they put out some numbers, we'll see the more of a, a real story or an accurate story. So, Yeah, I, I guess that's true. Where Was it not in the same place this year as last year? No, last year was Orlando. No, two years ago was Orlando. Last year was Vegas. It was? Last yeah. year wasn't Orlando? <laughs> I well, was you there. Were there. We did yeah. a live show. <laughs> yeah, that's true. If it wasn't, then the airlines lied to me. <laughs> well, I'm sure I know it was in the same location, Sands Convention Center, but it, it, previously when I've been there in Vegas, it, they haven't taken up the entire show floor or the entire conference room floor. There has been some extra space, so maybe they just had that same situation where they had the same room, but they just took up all the space. I don't know. Huh. Like I said, I haven't seen anything except the manufacturers that have made comments about it. Hmm. Well, I do know, and this is something you have in the notes here, that you know, it, this year it seemed to me anyway that there was an overwhelming amount of new cigars or, or line extensions predominantly or new packaging or whatever, and it was announced in the weeks leading up to the show, and there just weren't a whole lot of surprises in terms of new product at the show itself. So I don't know if maybe that played a part in it when everybody just felt like, well, I already know what's coming down the pike. I don't need to spend a couple thousand bucks to make this trip out there just to get a you know, few free cigars. It's a good point. I mean, it's a valid point, really, but... I I also wonder how many people go to IPCPR just for the news. I mean, from a retailer's perspective, don't you think that if you're going to buy six months or whatever, three months of a supply of your stock, you're going to go for the discounts? You're going to go for the availability? Well, they're not supposed to, but some manufacturers will offer those discounts outside of the show. Hmm. I guess... You know, that's getting into an area that I don't really know much of, but I don't know. It, uh, I don't know. It's actually one of the things I postulated a little bit about, um, uh, speculated, excuse me, um, on the, the forum talking about what the heck is going to happen if next year you can't give samples anymore. You know, yeah. I mean, that could be realistic. Well, then IPCPR, which is an organization which primary function seems to be putting on a convention and nothing else. Uh, I should stay objective. It seems from my perspective, someone who's been around this industry for 15 years, 15 years, that IPCPR's primary objective seems to be running an effective show rather than formulating a camaraderie and education behind or for its tobacconist members. Um, what are they going to do? You know, what is what is IPCPR's function going to be if the FDA regulations go through? And that's that's interesting. That's scary, too. Yeah, it ought to be scary for them. Yeah, I mean, it should be scary for all of us, but them in particular, that is... 
yeah, kind of, kind of their thing. Which, by yeah. the way, is one of those topics currently floating around the forum right now. Um. Well, you know, not. This sounds like we're raining on the parade of this year's show, but there are a couple other weird stories or just unfortunate stories to discuss that uh, we can get into. Uh, apparently, I I had heard of one uh, manufacturer having a problem with theft of some odd cigars, but I've been informed by Coop of three. I know two of those. Oh. And it happens every year. Somebody walks off with cigars. Um, this year, Drew Estate lost their one and only box of, uh, I think it, well, it was one of the flying pigs. Was it Undercrown, the new Undercrown flying pig? Yeah, Undercrown flying pig. Somebody walked off with their only box of that, so they had nothing to show after that happened. And then, <laughs> of all boxes, the other one I heard was... Uh, Gran Habano, that new Maz Paz, that is the charitable benefit line of cigars. Are you kidding me? No, somebody walked off of that box, and they they were posting pictures all week. Have you seen this box of cigars? Good gracious. No, I didn't even hear about that one. I heard uh, Davidoff had an issue, um, uh, and uh, Room 101, so I guess those could be the same issue, but... um, Man, it, it just—I don't know. I, maybe this year was the first year that I've really been aware of that happening, but that just seems, oh, ugly, frustrating. Yeah, it does. It absolutely does. And it's still—it goes back to, in my opinion, uh, the lack of willingness or ability to figure out or enforce the existing rules of who's there. I mean, yeah. the, we, the new media people, take a lot of crap for you know getting to a point where we can uh, meet the requirements and be allowed to come to the show and take a lot of the blame for this kind of thing. And at the same time, the retailers are bringing you know, people with them, consumers with them. One shop last year raffled off their extra ticket to the... Whoever wanted it from their their clientele, somehow that goes under the radar. I'm I'm, I'm not gonna get on us too much of a soapbox there, but it's an ongoing thing with them. Well, I've got two things there. One, I I'm not I'm probably in the minority here, but I'm okay with a shop bringing a consumer because um, <laughs> you've been that consumer. <laughs> no, I've actually never I've never been. Um, well, I take that back. I have one year been a consumer that a shop, well, that a private club brought, but I was that consumer to represent the, I don't know, the, the buying power or the what that club wanted to actually bring in to share with its members. You were a humidor consultant. Yeah, I, I actually had a task. I wasn't there for free cigars. I was there to provide uh, a consensus opinion on these are the cigars that we want to try to pick up because this is what we'd like to share amongst our members. Sure. Um, so I, it, in a way, I didn't have a position um, because I was an unpaid consumer at the cigar store, but I did have a position because I was essentially a consultant who was unpaid 
on behalf of ultimately the the stock that was going to be brought into the shop. So it made sense to a point, but um, I, I support that because I think that if you do it with legitimacy and integrity, it's a true benefit to everybody involved. Well, know? that's that's the issue, legitimacy and integrity. There's a set of guidelines that are just not being followed. The well, that's, but I mean, the guidelines would have said that I wasn't supposed to have been there that that year. What? Then you shouldn't have been there. Well, I, but but that's what I'm saying. Like, I I I'm on the minority or of the minority who disagrees with that in saying that the plus ones truly can serve a purpose. I don't need to be an employee of the cigar store to. Right, and that's not my beef. I'm not saying I have a problem with consumers being there. I'm oh no, no, I don't a mean a problem with the rules being broken in four different ways and one particular being, group taking the heat for it. And it being taken out on one particular group, right? Um, there was a consultant whose name I I won't use, but a consultant from one of the manufacturers this year published an account of, uh, it, and this consultant is is very aware of the internet media or the new media as we should say um, uh, sharing five different accounts of new media going to um, the booth that he was a consultant at and he he gives specific examples of who was there um, what they did and how it went flawlessly both on the receiving end and the giving end receiving of information and giving of information um, at this booth, and so all these these media members handled handled it professionally. Yet the one specific case that he shares where uh, things didn't exactly go so professionally was two a gr- two cases. I'm sorry, oh two cases. Yeah. Oh, well, I I'm only recalling one where this gentleman talks about. Uh, how some retailers walked up to him, who he was wearing a a branded shirt stating that he was with the uh, the booth where he was, and they just immediately asked for samples. Um, he told them, "No, the only thing we have available for a sample is is X," and the people said, "Oh, all right, well, thank you anyway. See you later." They just didn't want that cigar, and so they weren't there for any of the information that was also available. Yeah, it, they they were interested in a more premium product than what was offered. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a first-hand account of absolutely the ass backwards mentality that IPCPR seems to have when handling new media. Uh that you know, there seems to be a <laughs> uh a black cloud following all of us wherever we go, when in reality that's not the case. It's just we're an easy scapegoat, perhaps. Yeah, and and really, I mean, it it, it still, to me, stems from an unwillingness or inability to just make a call and go with it. If they don't want media there because the membership, who's the retailers, is the membership, don't want us there, then just say we're not going to have it. Let let the outcry happen for a year and everything will be fine. Just, just but if you're gonna let us be there, then have a set of guidelines and follow them. Yeah, yeah, I I tend to agree. Um, 
What were you going to share that the other uh, story about uh, new media perhaps being received more oh, no, favorably no. It, than others? It was the same guy, the same thing you were citing. Um, oh. He, he had two different stories of problems with retailers. No problem. Well, I, I just, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just me. I've already shared that I was infatuated with this show long before it ever began, but um, IPCPR this year, uh, it just seems like we at least owe the industry our show uh, the week after their biggest gathering of members. Um, we owe it a little bit of a, a, a roundup. Not that we've been at all doing regular coverage. Cigar Coop, Half Wheel, Cigar... Cigar Asylum? Boy. Very Cigar Authority. Cigar Authority, thank you. Um, they've been covering this better than I ever could, uh, literally than I ever could because of the time requirements. Um, it just seemed like a nice idea to kind of wrap it a little bit and give some thoughts. Yeah, I mean, it's Half Wheel's livelihood, so they can put all their time into it. And Cigar Coop's just a machine, best I can tell. Like, <laughs> Seriously. I don't know how he does it. Do you see the pictures of Will in the tuxedo? No, but I've seen him before. Good gracious, they that man looked like he was meant like he was born to wear a tuxedo. <laughs> he just pulled it off like like one day we're all gonna have to ask to be in his presence or something because he's gonna be <laughs> a world renowned expert. Yeah. Yeah, it's just kind of funny. When For those. First- when he first started his site, this was before I ever started the cigar me or anything. He uh, his profile pic was him in a tux, I believe. The, the on his site, the little logo thing. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I didn't know that. That's kind of cool. Well, I think the only other item of note uh, from this year's show, just kind of generically, is uh, something we we just touched on a little bit, but not necessarily in this much detail, but um, again, this is a, a topic that we've expanded on a little bit on the new forum, but um, a story was shared by um, Patrick Lagreed mm-hmm. um, from Half Wheel that at this year's uh, informative FDA and legislative meeting prior to the show beginning, um, that he was just underwhelmed, let's use a, uh, a more conservative way of putting it, um, since I'm putting words in, in, pardon me, in his mouth. He was underwhelmed by the attendance at said um, seminar. And considering what we're all facing, it just, it just turns my stomach that we aren't seemingly getting the the same following or the same uh, attention to the situation from the tobacconists, from the retailers. And maybe it's that, you know, the show was in Vegas and guys didn't want to think about something that was so serious, but I don't know. It's just kind of sad to me that, uh, you know, the IPCPR's seminar on the potential FDA regulations was poorly attended. I mean that should have been that should have had more attendance than the show itself. Every retailer, exhibitor, and attendee has interest in going to that. 
Exactly. There's a stake in it for anybody involved in the industry. Um, consumers, retailers, media, manufacturers, everybody. And I, I just wish that, you know, much like uh, all of the retailers who were kind of blowing their load weeks before this year's show, I wish IPCPR would have done the same thing and talked about how, hey, guys, you know, the show's coming up, but let's all be honest, potentially the most important or influential thing at this year's show is going to be our legislative seminar that we hold uh, prior to uh, the beginning. Um, it, it just seems silly that that wasn't done and that that wasn't something that was discussed and made uh, more widely and more widely known, really. Yeah, and that's know. yet another topic on the forum. And, and that a big part of the industry that, that we have this hobby built around is maybe asleep at the wheel with legislation. It's kind of a – the legislation, possible legislation is scary enough, but the idea that we just seem to be coasting or waiting to see what's going to happen instead of doing anything about it is that much more so. Mm. I'm reading the chat room and – and Officer Paul makes actually a pretty astute comment that, um, and Officer Paul, I'm not obviously not uh, revealing anything he wouldn't want revealed, considering his handle. But you know, after after 10, 12 hours of him putting in a shift as an officer, he doesn't go home <laughs> and uh, listen to cop podcasts. So he makes a comment that. You know, some of the tobacconists who don't necessarily go home after 10, 12 hours and put on a cigar podcast um, that we might all have a little bit of of understanding, and I'm putting words in Paul's mouth, but it, it seems to be easy for all of us to have a little understanding as to why they perhaps don't stick with the slightly more progressive, slightly more news-oriented new media. Um, but either way, I... I I think that's all the more reason why the IPCPR needs to have a position in this. And uh, one of the things I talk about on the forum, again, not to beat a dead horse, is what I think IPCPR truly should be accomplishing um, or what yeah, perhaps but their if, goal should be. If there was a possibility that tax income, tax revenues have dropped considerably, so we're going to have to eliminate 75% of our police force, I would say there's a lot of cops that would be there. That's true. This isn't just about a hobby thing that the cops would want to listen to cop podcasts for, as a hobby. This is cops listening to a cop podcast to try to get educated as to how they can avoid potentially the loss of their livelihood. That's a great point. Yeah, and, and you know, I don't know what the numbers are. I don't know how many people have even submitted comments and all. But I just feel like the the general vibe is saying that a lot of people are a little maybe a little more laid back than we should be. Oh, sorry, busting out in a yawn. I agree completely with that. Anyway, we're like fifty minutes into the show. How about we hit a little couple of news items here? Why the heck not? It's <laughs> a good idea. The first one up there is not so much a big news item, except we had a comment in the chat room last week that made me think we should mention this. Uh, when we talked about uh, Colin Ganley's coffee and uh, that he was now had made a line for 
uh, Skip Martin and Michael Rosales at uh, Romacraft. Somebody said they hoped it was in K-Cups or Keurigs. And just wanted to pass along that Colin said this week he was in Seattle and had met with a company that can put the twin-engine coffee into the Keurig cups. So, boom, your wish has been granted. Uh, I imagine this should be uh, coming through at some point. I I guess it's not finalized, but it's uh, at least in the works. It's actually kind of a... I had forgotten that conversation, but that's that's kind of quite ironic that uh, <laughs> it was brought up last week, and now we've got a a real time answer. We never get answers for people, haven't they? Realized that we still don't know what the heck's going on with uh, <laughs> with the Palio guys. <laughs> Speaking of any of our listeners who were at the show this year, who can tell us whether or not Brothers of the Leaf. Palio was actually there, um, and Essencia, obviously. I, I'd be interested to find that out. I haven't really heard anything about them. I haven't either. I do understand the websites are back up and functional, but uh, no official news or anything like that that I'm aware of, of any changes that have taken place. We do yeah. have it from multiple reliable sources that they are no longer to be distributed by Tarano, but no more detail than that. Yeah, I uh, agree completely there. Well, well, uh, next news item coming up. Um, I, yeah, I. Oh, okay. Now I understand what your comment is. Well, let's let's go to the next news item. Excuse me. <laughs> um, Nothing like. Professional smooth transitions. <laughs> no. Sorry. Well, I'm I'm looking in the chat room and then I'm going back real quick to the notes and then oh, you got something in green and it wasn't a knock on you. It was a, it was a knock on us. But it's funny. Well, I don't, I don't give a crap. People yeah. listen to us because we're bad. Yeah, that's kind of true. <laughs> All right. Uh, what do we got on here? Drew Estate has added now pipes to the repertoire. Uh, you may remember a few months ago that they uh, announced a partnership with Tsuge, which I'm still, I'm just waiting to hear people pronounce that name that are not familiar with the pipe world because it could be pronounced all kinds of crazy ways, um, as, which is a Japanese pipe company. Uh, they partnered with them to distribute their pipes here, but now they're going to make a, a line of pipes for Drew Estate. These will be Drew Estate pipes. Uh, which are not entirely like you may imagine. They're not uh, fully briar anyway. They're actually going to have an aluminum body, which is uh, rumored to be uh, a patented aluminum technology to stay cool when smoking. And, and I put in the notes, I'm going to believe that when I see it, because I've seen uh, other modular pipes that, that use an aluminum frame that just get hotter than hell when you're smoking them. Um, just crazy hot instantly from, but, uh, hey, they figured out a way around it, more power to them. I imagine it's, uh, Falcon used a tube within a tube system back in the 50s and 60s. I don't know if it's something like that or what, uh, to try and fight that. But, uh, anyway, it's, uh, those of you that are familiar with pipes, Falcon produced for a long time, and I believe they may even still be some out there floating around. Uh, it's a pipe that has a briar bow. They actually made some brylon bows also. But, uh, 
uh, a, an aluminum body with the bowl that screws on and a stem that, that goes in just like a, a normal uh, vulcanite stem. And you can, of course, change out different uh, shades or colors of bowls or whatever, and, and or even shapes in some instances. It looks like these bodies are pretty similar, maybe a little different. I don't know if you can interchange the, the different shaped bowls on the bodies, but maybe you can. Um, you're going to have a really cool uh, stamping on the bottom, though. It looks kind of like a, a challenge coin stamp on the bottom with the Drew Estate logo. So it's kind of neat. Uh, these are going to... Not see, I don't see exactly the date uh, that they're going to be out, but I imagine it's very soon. Uh, you can get either smooth or sandblasted finish on them, and they're going to retail for 250 bucks, uh, which is Suge makes some a very wide range of pipes. Normally, they make some triangles. I think they called them, which are pretty inexpensive, under 100 bucks uh, for a, a quality pipe, up to very artistic. Um, when I say artistic, I mean literally pieces of art that are thousands of dollars. Uh, so, and everything in between. So, 250 is not not anything really out of their range. Uh, so, uh, we'll see how they do. This style of pipe has had mixed results in the past. They have cult followings and people that are really dedicated and love them and and uh, you know, smoke them all the time. And then they have other people who just think they're ugly or ridiculous or, or didn't, and wouldn't go near them. So we'll wait and see how they do. I don't know how the market's going to receive them. I don't know if the market's ready right now. It's kind of a an odd time in the world of pipes uh, where there was some, some growth the past couple of years, but seems to maybe to have stalled a little bit. So, uh, again, having Drew Estate this past year introduce some pipe tobaccos I thought was awesome. I think it's a great way to pump some some life into the, the pipe industry and you know, maybe having a, a new pipe uh, line is going to help that out a little bit. Um, well, I certainly uh, don't. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I certainly don't think that you're ever going to see a, a a bad thing come from probably that the hippest most. Boy, the fact that I just used the word hippest really segregates me from <laughs> that completely. Groovy. <laughs> Groovy. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um. I just, I think that it could only help, and I think that it will significantly help, really. Uh, I mean, anytime you you introduce something that's typically <laughs> that's typically uh, not thought of for 50 years after the median age of what Drew Estate's normal fan is, you're typically going to find that you're going to expand your uh, your product base and your client base more than anything else. So yeah, and they're not if they can make it cool, then that's benefiting all. They're not entirely gone from the market. They they have never gone away completely, but there there are not a lot of other people making this kind of pipe out there. Um, personally, and this is just me talking, it has nothing no bearing on the industry. Of course, if I was going to buy a pipe and it's two hundred fifty dollar pipe. I'm probably going to look for uh, something that maybe has a little more involvement from a carver. I mean, these I, I'm certain that the the bottom, which has the Drew Estate stamped on it, actually is a windscreen that, that goes on top. So you can, and I'll explain that momentarily. But uh, and, and it has the aluminum body, and it has an aluminum cap on the top. Those are all machined parts that can be manufactured in mass, and the bowls 
may have a little handwork, but they're pretty much just turnings. Uh, so that, personally, I'm not going to run out and buy one of these. Not, I'm not in the market for any more pipes right now anyway, but if I were, I would look for something maybe that just just, just had a little more personal involvement from a carver. Hmm. Especially the Japanese. Japanese carvers have come on so strongly in the past 10 years. They, they weren't even on the map over a decade ago. And there were several uh, old-school Japanese carvers that went to Denmark and trained under some of the world's best pipe makers, went back to Japan and have just been killing it, man, making some crazy pipes, um, just beautiful works of art. Uh, if you're into a piece of art rather than just a smoking device, um, I don't know. The the family is capable of that, and, and it is a family-run operation, Tsuke. Um they actually, it was a, a. They made swords for centuries, and converted now into pipes. Maybe within the past hundred years, they started making pipes. Oh, so cool. You you mentioned something earlier about um, all the way up to nearly art um, is what Suge produces or has produced or. Oh, I, I would not even say nearly. They definitely produce some pieces of art. Are they? Are they? Not smokable, really, without purpose, other than just being art. Or no, they are absolutely smokable. Huh. Yeah. Well, then it's not art, but I'm splitting hairs, I guess. They are most often kept as art, not necessarily smoked. Mm. That's like a that's like a Ferrari Daytona that you just keep in a garage. It's just. <laughs> But, you know, they are making some other metal pipes, the, the Tsuge company is. They're making their metal frames with internal wooden bowls in them. But uh, I haven't really kept in touch with uh, with them. But I was looking to see if maybe um, maybe they had some up that were really cool that I could link to here. But I don't see any suge ones that, that some of the sites keep up past pipes that have been just amazing that just keep a picture up even though they've already been sold but I don't see one right now mm. so we'll see how they do it's going to come in three different uh, shapes initially it's going to have the robusto which is kind of a short little squatty I mean it looks like a shotgun shell that's been compressed down to a, a shorter level and then the churchill which is similar very cylindrical a little taller and then uh, the bellicoso, which tapers near the bottom of the bowl, or it gets wider near the top, maybe. Um, so we'll see how they do. That's actually like, kind of a cool idea. I like seeing something something new in the pipe industry. I, I hope it does well. Absolutely agree with that completely. I uh, I'm still waiting to do our pipe show, but that's going to involve me picking up another pipe because I don't know where the heck my pipe <laughs> holder is, but that's a different story. <laughs> oh, no, well. That's a dig on me for not seeing any pipes. I know. No, and, and, and honestly, it isn't at all. I, I, I just haven't gotten around to getting anything, and there's no excuse other than my own laziness. You got to work that. I I sold some pipe tobacco this week. Oh yeah. I sold the first bowl, or first bowl, first tin of uh, Bohemian Scandal. I had an eight ounce tin. I stuck it up and got two hundred and sixty two bucks for an eight ounce tin of tobacco. Ah. 
Oh my gosh! Dude, I got another one. Five hundred and twelve dollars a pound. <laughs> yeah, that was the one that burned up in the fire ten years ago. This was this tin uh, was only on the market for three months, and the the entire warehouse burned down. That they had the world supply of this particular tobacco in it. Holy crap! Yeah, I sold a lot of those in the early days. When I mean, you could have gotten considerably more for for that several years ago, but I held on to it and maybe passed the the highest demand for it. Wow, I I'm shocked by that. <laughs> Although I shouldn't be shocked, considering you know, I mean, what some people pay for a cigar, and a cigar is one bowl, so grams worth. You know, yeah, that's true. And, and yeah. Hmm. Ay ay ay. It's a crazy world we live in when people spend that much money on dried leaves. Yeah, yep, you might say that. Yeah, I I just did actually. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. What else we got? We had a chat room that's all of a sudden gone dormant. I think we've put them all to sleep or something. Well, there's a couple of comments there. Yes, the Corona, it was Bohemian Scandal. I don't know if I said the name. That that was the blend. Mm. Good gracious. Well, we... Uh, <laughs> ha- have you responded to my, uh, my color-coded pleads in oh, the well, news or no? No, probably not. Oh, yeah, go right ahead. That's not, not a problem. That was a question. Oh, well, I guess I figured that out by the question mark, but... Sorry. Never mind. Um, Dig it. Well, getting back to our second news story that we skipped over, I I really want to talk about this. I just think that it's fun and and intriguing, and uh, if I was a listener to this show, I'd want to hear about it too. But there is a really, really interesting, completely unsubstantiated uh, rumor floating around uh, at the show and obviously after the show that a pretty well-known and well-respected manufacturer is uh, potentially going to be bought out by General Cigar. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) (laughs) You're such a dork. Uh, Well, you know, General in the past has obviously uh, amassed a a little bit of a takeover of some well-known cigar manufacturers, probably most notably um, La Gloria Cubana, uh, and then in more recent years, CAO, the famed pipe and cigar uh, name. And now there is the thought, and potentially uh, potentially more than just a thought, who knows, but that they may be moving in on Ernesto Perez Carrillo's new company, EPC. Dun, dun, dun. I, I, I don't know if there's a better way of describing it than what you've just done. Yeah. Did not see it coming. No, but, I, you know, I, I didn't either. Again, this is all rumor speculation. But yeah, it was absolutely nonetheless. And it's, you know, to to be as clear as we can with this, this isn't speculation as in, you know, 
uh, a buddy of ours was going to the washroom in a stall and, you know, claims he heard somebody three rooms over talk about something that involved EPC in general. This is this is a, just a topic that uh, we are not breaking that is and has been published online over the last day or so, a couple days, and uh, we're just sharing it with the audience here. It just seems... It just seems like such a stunner, no pun intended, um, that I, I, I don't even, I can't even justify it from uh, Ernesto Carrillo's perspective. But I don't know. I, I mean, you, you and I talked a little bit, and you came up with some thoughts that might make some sense. But I mean, at what I, I don't know. Geez, I was just going to make a really ignorant statement and say, at what point do you need the additional money? But Everybody always is looking for more money, I suppose. Sure. You don't want to have to keep working for it. You can get some now, all right? Well, but why would Ernie, why would Ernie Carrillo have started EPC again as soon as his non-compete expired, unless it was what he wanted to do? Um, and there are some obvious answers that maybe he was trying to do something with his family, um, or maybe he is the type of businessman who enjoys the the startup and the build up rather than um the day to day but it it it, it hey. just seems sorry go ahead we have breaking news right now michael stewart said general has offered him $13.47 for his casa trompeta inventory <laughs> uh well, that's funny because Michael has 1,347 of them. So, <laughs> uh, well, I I just uh, my jaw dropped when I heard this, and it's been just about all I could think of since I did. Uh, I I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just geeking out about it uh, way my way more than I should. But am I the only one who's just totally intrigued by this? No, I am as well. I, I'm anxious to see uh, if if this turns out to be the case. See yeah, how it goes too. down. Did you mention where the story came from? Um, no, I said it was just published online. Uh, it, it was from Cigar Authority, thecigarauthority.com, uh, which is Barry Stein's new home on the internet. Um, they and again reported as speculation and rumors. They are not saying this is a scoop or this is known to be fact or anything. Hmm. I just wanted to give them credit there because I don't think anybody else has reported that. Well, yeah, there's a lot of disparaging terms in the chat room that General Cigar is the evil empire, the Darth Vader of the cigar industry, or Emperor Palpatine of the cigar industry that. We need to let Bob McDuffie know so we can defend the honor of <laughs> premium cigars. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, you know, know, I've talked to my fair share of crap, but there's been a couple of things I really liked in the past two years that came out in general. <laughs> Part of this 1845, that's a fantastic Flippin cigar. fantastic cigar. Uh, I liked the CAO concert in that Robusto size when it first came out. Had a little bit of an issue with some draw troubles on several of those and kind of gave up on them, but I liked them at the time. Uh, there was, uh, now I'm having trouble remembering what it was, but there was another one. There was at least three I had to eat Major Crow over. 
I think they're at least making an effort. Don Tomas is general, correct? Uh, oh, I want to say so, but I don't think I'd put any money on it. Oh, well, we have these amazing answer machines that are uh, <laughs> right in front of us. Maybe, maybe we can find that out rather quickly. <laughs> answer machines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, of course. Now Google is asking me if I'd like to translate all my pages into Spanish. <laughs> it is from General. Uh, you beat me to it. Okay, thank you. <clears throat> well, it's um, it's a bit of an interesting news story. It's I don't know. It's a fun news story to me, um, and I don't know. I I don't know. It just seems like it seems like this could be the story that we remember in five years for the from the 2014 IPCPR that this is when it broke, you know. Yeah. So kind of cool, kind of fun. Yeah. Hey, I got a I found a, a Japanese pipe to show you. Oh, show me. Kind of typical of some of the work they're doing. This not not. Oh, uh, why is my uh, there we go. Do, 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 do. Do, do. Can you see that? I can see that, and I'm absolutely at a loss for words as to how that is a crafted pipe. That is absolute artwork. You're 100% right. I wanted to find a, a very different one that you you would you would crap your pants if I put a picture of that up here. It, it's amazing, and I couldn't find a picture of it. This don't do it is, in the middle of the show. <laughs> this is pretty straightforward kind of thing they're doing every day coming out of Japan, and everything on that, even the vulcanite, is is hand carved into that and and made to look that way. And those appliques are not appliques; they're I mean, they're insets. Um, it's all built, and, and it's weird. They build that shape around what the grain of the briar tells them when they pick it up and start carving, because the briar comes from the root bulb of the, the it's a heath, a, a type of heath that grows in the Mediterranean. And so uh, those of you that know wood a little bit, the the the, the root bulb of, of a tree is or bush is, the grain doesn't run in a particular direction. It runs every freaking which way, just all over. And so when you get a, a chunk of briar, you can start carving on it. And another thing about briar is it grows on rocky, sandy, craggy cliffs, <laughs> hillsides and cliffsides and still has to be harvested by hand. But uh, as it grows, it has a tendency to pick up little pieces of sand or pebbles or whatever, and they create defects in the wood. So you may get... 80% into a pipe and suddenly find a defect that means you got to throw it away because it's going to burn through when you put fire in it. And so wow. the, the wood tells them what this shape's going to be. And so this is what they came up with with that particular piece of wood. This this shape is a, a very stylized form of cavalier, which has that foot on it like that. And, and this pipe will actually stand on that foot, just like it's shown in the picture. It's just so dang cool. I mean, it, it looks like a like a 
I don't know, I was going to say a boomerang, but it's got more curves than a boomerang. It's it's just so neat. Yeah, I like them. I like what they're doing. Um, really cool. You know, I'm I'm not a uh, pretentious art gallery frequenting uh, snooty sob or anything, but sometimes when you see something, you don't have to have an education. You just know that it is a piece of art. Period. You know, and it's I'm going against my own definition that art is something that's purely for visual, emotional, or mental uh, stimulation and appreciation, and has no purpose other than that. But it it's that's just I don't know. I I don't know how you can come up with that in your mind before it exists in order to be able to create it, and. Uh, I just have such an appreciation for things that are as beautiful as that is. You want me to show you one that'll blow your mind trying to figure out how it's smokable? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's see if I can get this one open. I think somebody just made fun of me in the chat room, but I'm not exactly sure if it was. It was. Check. Oh my gosh. They. And I don't know who made this pipe. I, I, this is just something turned up on the Google. Um, but uh, pipe makers have been known to fabricate these little crazy jointed drill bits to drill around curves and whatnot. And so that does not actually go down through that arch around the bottom. It goes through that centerpiece between the stem and the bowl. Uh, but it is a functioning pipe. How is that even possible? Uh, acrobatics. <laughs> so, I, I, I almost believe you. For those of you who are listening to this, which is obviously the majority of our audience, not those of you who have the opportunity to watch it, that was a, a bowl uh, about what looked to be the, the shape of an egg um, that was only attached to the stem of the of the pipe by, oh my gosh, are you freaking kidding me? That one's amazing. Um, that was only attached to the stem of the pipe through two connections at, let's say, the, the 3 and 9 o'clock hour of the bowl. Um, and then from there, there was scroll work. It wasn't just a direct connection to the stem. There was scroll work that would have to provide that connection to the stem and also allow the the hole, whatever the what's the the draft the, hole, the draft hole that would allow that to come through the stem. It's just it's shocking how that could be functional one and how someone could carve it too. Yep. Wow. Yep. Hmm. <laughs> oh, here's the one. I, I love this one right here, and I'll stop showing you these pictures. But I I, I love this pipe. And I have for years, and I have no idea who bought it, where it ended up, but I I always thought that was cool. Is that the same pipe? No, no, no. It's a completely different pipe. There's nothing no, like that. No, 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 no. Are the three images that I'm seeing on your screen all the same pipe? Yeah. You see, uh, if you look at this from, now. from below how wide that thing is, you can't even tell in these top pictures. Yeah. 
Wow. The one one of the below images looks like a human spine with an overgrown sacrum. <laughs> it's just so cool. Yeah. And I'm that's waiting. just about the coolest grain I've ever seen on a pike. Yeah, it's a, a lot of bird's eye on the bottom, which is not it's 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 rare. It, you there's flame straight bird's eye are the three typical greens that you find in burl in briar briar burl and to get a block of briar that displays that a finished pipe that displays the same grain throughout is incredibly rare well actually it's near impossible to get straight or flame because the the grain has to come out somewhere so unless it's severely tapered off at the bottom it's not going to work uh, but to get it and I have a Reiner Barbie pipe who died in 2010, was one of the greatest German pipe makers ever. Um, and I have a double-A Greg Reiner Barbie that has just beautiful, just gorgeous straight grain all the way around and bird's eye on the bottom. It, it, I love that pipe. So it, It's going to be one of the ones I likely keep <laughs> when I move. Wow. I'm... Uh... I'm totally envious of uh, of the talent that some of those carvers have. It's just gorgeous. It's crazy, and the the Danes and the Japanese are who have really, really pushed that envelope and explored what you can do with a chunk of briar. Hmm. Wow. Very cool, man. Very, 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 very cool. Yeah, get you a pipe, man. I know. I I don't know why I, I don't have one. I mean, it's just. Being such a tobacco geek, you'd think that it would just be something that I would always have. And I did. I used to have two. Give me, um, send me an email that says what you like, straight, bent, how much of a bend if you like it bent, big bowls, little bowl, and I'll I'll find something for you. Well, that's very cool, but unnecessary. Thank you. Nah, I got, I got a lot of pipes. A lot of them are going to be sold. Well, it's only taken you a year and a half to offer it up, finally, you cheap bastard. No, that's not true. I offered it before. It just never happened. He never said I know. I know. I'm just goofing with you. So how about we get back to our cigar show here? <laughs> it's been a little while. I think maybe we should, shouldn't we? Yeah, it's, it's now after 11 o'clock, and we haven't even gotten through the news items. <laughs> it's, how about we just do this other Drew Estate one, and then we'll close out the news? Sounds like a good idea. Why don't you take it? Since we are already talking Drew Estate, let's uh, kind of add some more to uh, fuel to the fire here. They uh, they've announced uh, actually the week before IPCPR, they sent these press releases out, and I have gotten some of them up. I think I got one or two left. Um, some of the things that they were putting out or releasing at IPCPR, and uh, those of you who are into the flavored cigars will be happy to know that. Uh, they are adding a Maduro version of the Blondie, the Acid Blondie. Um, I'm not a big fan, but I know a lot of folks are, as it's a vastly selling cigar. They they make a, a lot of good living off the, the Acid line. It just happens not to be our favorite. Uh, the KFC line is growing by three Vitolas. The Delphinus, which is 6 by 26, which sounds outrageous to me. Um, the Kyotos, which is five and a half by thirty-four, and the Hamhock, which is three and three quarters by fifty-six, which is basically a nub, isn't it? 
Um, and those, those again, were added to the KFC line, the Kentucky Fire Cured. And then finally, they are adding to the Herrera Esteli line. They're adding the Norteño. Um, it, this is a quote from the from their literature. It showcases extensively aged tobaccos from the Esteli and Jalapa growing regions of Nicaragua, coupled with a spicy Honduran binder and a rich, bold Mexican San Andres wrapper, a Maduro wrapper. Um, so this is going to be available in six different sizes, uh, from a four by forty-six Coronita. Uh, four and three quarter by forty-eight Corona Extra, five by fifty Bellicoso Fino, five and a half by fifty-four Robusto Grande, which is a common size for Drew Estate. They actually make that size in some other lines. Uh, six by fifty Toro and a six and a half by forty-four Lonsdale Deluxe. So this one actually, you know, I gotta try everything with the San Andreas Maduro wrapper. I, I'm yep. digging that lately. So I'll give that a try as soon as I see them on the shelf. I have not seen them in person yet. Well, I like the Vitolas here. I, I think that uh, the slightly shorter Hermosa 4 that they call the Corona Extra, the 4 and 3 quarter by 48, is a nice size. I think the Coronita is a really nice size. I love the, the short, slightly narrow cigars, uh, as well as, obviously, the Lonsdale Deluxe. So... I, I am not the Mexican San Andres fan that you are, um, but I have had enough spectacular cigars with that Maduro wrapper on it to know that it can really, really lend a lot. And uh, I, I wonder if this is um, really one of the first cigars that that um, uh, is going to be full-blown, new blend, new style after the head blender at Drew Estate has uh, swapped over to, obviously, Mr. Herrera. So I, I'll be very interested to see what Willie's done here, and and uh, especially in some of these Vitolas and knowing what they could be with that San Andres. So. Yeah, um, going back to the former head blender of Drew Estate, i got something to talk to you about when the, the show is over. Mm-hmm. So, what else have you enjoyed recently, or not enjoyed? And just by the way, I'm feeling much better now. I feel more morning. Well, now the only uh, restriction we have is the fact that you need to be up in four hours. That's true. Oh, you know what? There's another restriction. We have not even talked about the cigar we've been smoking tonight. You know what? You are absolutely right, and I got two and a half inches left only. I just put mine down, and it's so late. I don't think I'm going to light the other one until tomorrow when I'm smoking some meat. That's darn near still today. If you're four hours away from something, you can call it today. <laughs> you know, well, what you I, thinking? You're, you're about at the same place I was uh, shortly after we started the show. I, I have to disagree with you on one of the first comments you made about what the cigar was like when it was at this size, about two inches, two and a half inches. I think that this is just loaded in spades with that that sweet and savory complementing flavors. Um, well, you have every right to be incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I do this show, folks? <laughs> I I um I think it's really, really a much better example than what I've had uh, recently. Probably over the last month, I've had two of these, I'd say. 
uh, longer than that, maybe two months. Um, this has been not the most flavorful cigar in terms of um, complexity, but more so in terms of um, intensity of flavor. It's there. This is subtle. I would definitely say it is certainly turning and not necessarily revealing its most powerful days. Um, but there is flavor, and there is flavor that can be very, very specifically pinpointed. I, I, I've enjoyed it. Um, and I'm continuing to enjoy it. So it's a good cigar. I'm not getting nearly as many of the cocoa flavor, or I'm sorry, um, espresso flavors that I was getting early on. I'm getting much more of the cocoa-y, chocolatey, tart fruit flavor. Uh, not so creamy and not so, well, I guess I could just say not so much uh, a cafe au lait or a uh, um, cafe con leche type flavors that I had gotten from these in the past. Um, and it's always interesting to me when a cigar evolves and you lose some flavors, but others are still there in spades. It's interesting. I just relit. I got inch and a half here still. Um, mm. I'm totally, totally on board with the tart fruit thing. A lot of that. Uh, uh, and in particular, the front end and the back end for me, that midsection still did not provide a lot of that. It, it gave me a lot of that heavy, you know, like we said, <laughs> meaty nuttiness in the middle. Uh, some of that tartness back, which actually kind of cool. I'm, I'm enjoying that immensely. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I dig it. Uh, I, I'm anxious now to smoke one tomorrow morning on a fresh, clean palate with a good feeling, not feeling off. I I actually am thinking the same thing. I'm wondering if I go uh, if I go to bed early tonight and try to wake up early tomorrow <laughs> to see if maybe I can get a cigar in before we go away for the weekend. Ah. I think that do might it. be kind of nice. You can do it. I don't think I'm waking up at 2 a.m. at the same time you are, but either way. Nah, it's not 2 a.m., maybe 3.45 or something. Well, um, 2 a.m. Central or 2.45 Central. Yeah. You're crazy. Uh, well, one argument in there. I'm enjoying this stick, and uh, without question, um. I'm going to look forward to the next one of these that I smoke. This is way spicy. Relit. Really? Maybe spicy is not the right word. It's it's bold through the nasal passages. I'm surprised by that. Really surprised by that. I think it's a a factor of being relit. It's not the quality of the cigar. Had I never laid it down and let it go out and sit on the, the rest in the ashtray for 20 minutes, it probably would have been fine. Hmm. So I'm thinking that's going to that's gonna clear up right about the time I'm done with it, probably. What's going to clear up? The, the spiciness? Yeah. Oh. oh, well, there you go. Oh, oh that's well, now, what else have you been smoking this week? Well, I've got uh, kind of a fun one. I don't think I've ever... Well, in fact, I know I've never smoked it on the show before because I think I've only ever had one other of these cigars, period. And that is the Illusion 2. The Bellicoso version of the Illusion. Mm-hmm. 
It, uh, it was an interesting cigar. I, I can remember, you know, the reason why I say I probably only other ever had one other of these uh, was because I remember buying two of them shortly after I got back from uh, being in Nicaragua with uh, Colin Ganley on one of his cigar tourism trips and spending some time with Dion Giolito. Um, so that was early 2010, so this cigar's got about four years' age on it, and uh, I found it to be pretty complex. Um, not necessarily the the best of the Illusion uh, cigars that I've had, but enjoyable. There there was a an orange peel or orange zest flavor, not at all tart or um, acidic. But that flavor and sweetness was still there. It was very aromatic, the orange flavor. Um, there was a slight woodsiness or uh, wood-type flavor, not necessarily smoky or cedary or anything specific. It was just kind of, I don't know, do you call it masculine? Kind of how I would describe a, a one of the hard flavors. Excuse me that I've uh, mentioned in the past. Um, it had some kind of simple syrup-type sugary flavor, uh, definitely baking spices, not so much a lot of the Dominican-type baking spices that I've commented about so many other times, but things like like clove or allspice. It was a little bit different, a little more sharp in the nasal-type uh, baking spices. And then it really transitioned as the cigar matured into kind of a mix between shortbread, like a real buttery, sweet, crisp version of that uh, simple syrup flavor, um, and like sour cherries. Very much that interplay of sweet and savory. It was it was good. It was very dessert-like, almost without being cloyingly sweet whatsoever. It was, it was very adult- very dessert, very uh, unique in how the flavors presented themselves. I would have expected it to be much um, sweeter if I would have just read these flavors and tried to imagine how it tasted, but it wasn't. Um, that woodsiness was omnipresent in that cigar. It was omnipotent, but it never really seemed like it was a, a pronounced flavor and that that was the number one that I got. It was interesting. I, I don't know if it was a factor of the, the few years that were on it or if it was kind of just a, a boiled down, more refined version of what the cigar is, typically one fresh, but um, it was an interesting one to, to smoke through and to talk about. Wow. That, that sounded like a phenomenal cigar. To me, anyway. Well, it's just... I love it when a cigar kind of surprises me. And yeah. that one surprised me, you know? Oops, sorry about that. I just hit my mic. No problem. Well, let's see. What have I got on here this week? I had one of the uh, Cigar Federation Collective, um, which we oh, have yeah. coming up in the not-too-distant future as a show cigar. Um and when these first came out, I I I loved them. I thought they were great. They're a Casa Fernandez product, so obviously I'm, you loved them. I'm gonna love it more than you probably. Uh, this one this week, I don't know. Maybe my constitution just wasn't 100. percent It kind of hit me sideways and was a little bit 
stronger than I remembered, a little bit uh, rougher around the edges, which I didn't expect having you know, a few more months of mellowing time in the meantime. But uh, So I guess maybe I'm anxious to see how they do. I only have two more, and those will be for the show here in a few weeks. So we'll see what happens. Um, the other thing I had on here was Kurt Kendall's 724, which I had on 724. It, ha- it was a happy accident, but once I lit it up, I was like, hey, this kind of works. And... Uh, I love those cigars. I don't. I don't commonly smoke them because they're a little harder to come by. But I now have a, a shop uh, close by in Tampa that carries the line, and um, <clears throat> I think those are great cigars. I don't know who makes them. Kurt Kendall is a retailer turned manufacturer or, or line owner uh, up in New England, and uh, these these cigars are really uh, have a lot of chewy, meaty, charred oak kind of flavors in them, and, and I love them. I don't know why why they're not more widely known. I mean, he has a, a solid presence on social media and, and, and throughout the, the boutique sector of the industry, but I think that, that that line, those cigars have a lot of legs, and they'll, uh, they'll do well if he can be in the right time at the right place, because I think they're great. I uh I think that's one of the the things I don't really love about um <laughs> that I don't really love about uh the 724s is that kind of meaty, charry, deeper flavors. It's just not I don't know, it's just not in my wheelhouse. Not not to say that it's bad, it's just not me, you know. Yep. Yeah. I can understand that. But that just leaves more for me. Nothing wrong with that, man. Oh, let's see. How about an email? We got a, a real quick little email here. Just an update on our unbanded from last week. Well, uh, before we do that, I uh, I've been trying to uh, um, work in a spot to answer a question from the chat room. Gosh, okay. probably a half an hour ago, but um, a gentleman. Uh, I don't remember who it was, but somebody asked me about the Casada 40th I had last week. Um, asked if I could share a thought about it, and uh, in as few words as I can devote to this, there were spectacular flavors with just about the least reliable, most frustrating construction I've ever had from multiple samples. Now those samples were from the same box, but you know, most of the time when color sorting, you're not necessarily getting one roller's cigars uh, put into the same box. It's, you know, it, it's much more random than that. But uh, that's that's it summed up for me. I'm looking forward to the next Casada 40th I can have in a different Vitola than the... Um, oh, the gosh. It's <laughs> hump to hump. Not that smushed Salamone. What is it? The pressed Salamone, I think, is what they refer to it as. Uh, it, it just was not spectacular. But um, I'm going to do whatever I can to get another one because it tasted pretty darn good when I was able to smoke it. Yeah, and that's a little guidance for me not to buy that size or that shape. I never will again. I will never waste my money on it for the the vanity of it. It's not worth the risk that I might have another experience that was as 
disappointing as this. Gotcha. So. Alrighty. Our uh, email this week was merely an update from Jacob Pincus, who has supplied a number of our unbandeds, including the one we smoked last week, yeah. uh, which turned out to be a 2010 Series V Maduro. He says, hey guys, I just caught up with the last unbanded episode, and I completely forgot that I sent you the 2010 Series V Maduro. I wanted to wanted to let you know that I never would have intentionally thrown you guys a curveball. I sent that cigar before you did the vertical tasting show. I would not have sent it if it, if I had known it was a previous show cigar. That's not an issue, Jacob. It was interesting though that the the differences that uh, we perceived unbanded over what we had when we smoked them. Although Craig. Dead Nuts lined up with his assessment of the, the line when we went through the, the vertical tasting. The 2010, I think, was his least favorite of the, the five that we smoked, and or the six that we smoked. And this one maybe wasn't quite in his wheelhouse, maybe not as much as, as I enjoyed it. Yes, I think he had a, less of a good experience than I did, but uh, we certainly thank you for the submission once again. Well, absolutely. Nobody expects to... Uh uh to have the unbanded um required to be what we view each as spectacular cigars so don't uh don't worry at all about that but you are absolutely correct kip that this was not a cigar that lined up with my uh with my flavors that i enjoy or that i ever really want to reach for but nothing wrong with that it just isn't me yep you're picky <laughs> Oh, shut up. <laughs> well, folks, we absolutely, as always, appreciate you tuning in, whether you're live here in the chat room tonight or listening uh, through a download. Uh, we, uh, we're glad you stopped by. And if you want to join us again next week, same bat time and place, Friday night, 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 8.30 Central, uh, at halfash.com, where you can find the uh, video streaming live and the chat room going with a handful of really good guys. And uh, we will be smoking next week as our Cigar of the Week, the Casa Fernandez <laughs> 35th Anniversario, uh, which to me is a, a different cigar from them. We'll see how Craig takes it in. And uh, in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, you can get us at craig at thecigarme.com or Kip at thecigarmy.com and uh, pass along any comments, compliments, complaints, or concerns you got about the show. Uh, we'll, we'll be glad to hear them and probably respond, unless it's just a, an utter insult and we delete those. Uh, I don't. <laughs> if you have unbanded suggestions, you can email that to info at thecigarmy.com. And by the way, Christy tells me that we did receive a couple of suggestions this week, and she'll have uh, one of my local cohorts source those cigars for us and pull the bands off. But if you have a submission that you'd like to send in, you can send a, either Craig or myself an email at those first addresses, and we'll hook you up with an address to get them to. Um, Absolutely. And otherwise, you can find us Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the new fully functional Tapatalk-friendly Wonderful, magnificent, awesome friggin' forum at halfash.com. Uh, if you use Tapatalk, just search halfash. It'll turn up. I believe all of the older iterations have been disabled, and only the, the newest proper forum is working now. 
And uh, you can find us also at halfash.com or thecigarmy.com. We're uh, at both places pretty regular. Well, I um, I just couldn't agree more with uh, the sentiments about the forum. I know we've talked about it. I know it sounds like a, a hopeless plug, but, man, oh, man, I just have had so much fun getting back into cigar forums this week and throwing thoughts and making fun of people and being made fun of and, and trying to just share what was on my mind about the cigar industry and not about the cigar industry. So if you want to uh, participate in a forum that is going to be a gentlemanly location where we expect everyone is treated and to be treating others in uh, a respectful manner, the uh, the forum at Half Ashed is a good place to be, and I can guarantee you we will have tobacco and cigar conversations as well as pipe and life conversations that rival the complexity and enjoyment and uh, just overall geekdom of any other site that's out there, no doubt about it. So uh, Let me throw one more quick little note in there. Shoot. Uh, for those of you who come in, sign up, if you have a username to listen to the show at the site and participate in the chat room and leave comments on the site, that will automatically, if you have that username, that will carry over to the forum. Single username, single sign-on for everything at halfash.com. And uh, once you post something for the first time on the forum, it is it goes to a moderation panel, and either Craig or myself have to approve it. That only happens your first two posts once you have two approved posts that you're not just a spammer or scammer passing through, uh, of which we have thousands every week, um, then uh, that doesn't happen anymore. So just so you know, your first two posts won't immediately show up until one of us uh, pops in and, and does that. There you go. Well, I, uh, I think there's plenty that we could certainly share about... Uh, Half Ash, the future of Half Ash, and all the things we want to talk about. But uh, I have a, a rather interesting and enjoyable dedication tonight that is absolutely out of left field. Caught me by surprise, and uh, I think it's going to catch you the same. But tonight's show, I want to send out to a musical hero of mine, a gentleman by the name of Buddy Guy, who I happened to hear an interview with tonight when I was on my way home from the in-laws, coming to do the show. And it was just about one of the most insightful things I've ever heard. It was uh, one of the statements that he made was, anybody can say that they love someone or love something, but if you prove it and if you show something or someone how much you love them, there's no two ways about it. It's undeniable. And that just kind of rocked my world a little bit. And so uh, I decided that tonight was going to be a a damn good episode. It was going to be a damn good episode because I really care about Half-Ash because I love what we do here. I love the laughs that we have and and all the devotion that we're putting into this. And admittedly, the devotion that Kip puts in is uh, exponentially more than mine, and I just can't thank him enough. And it all comes back to Buddy Guy. I wouldn't have had the realization if it wasn't for him, and uh, it's just pretty damn cool to me. I like Buddy so, Guy. I dig his music. Me too. I saw him about 10 years ago in concert and was hooked. Cool. Well, 
So, folks, we uh, we talk a lot. We have a lot of fun on this show, but it really just does come down to our love of cigars and our love of hanging out with some really good friends. And so we're glad that you're able to be a part of it all for us, or with us, excuse me. We hope that you choose to do so again. So, everybody, we want to say uh, good night, and thank you ever so much for listening. Take care.